State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's going on, y'all? It's your boy, my son. And I'm Tamika D. Mallory, and this is Street Politicians. The, the place, place where the streets, streets and, and politics, politics meet. meet. I am so, 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 so excited, so excited that today is our first day, our launch for Street Politicians on the Black Effect Network. Um, shout out to Solomon the God. What's going on, boy? Shout out to our, our boss. brother, That's the our blackity boss. black, blackity black, black, black. black. Yeah, he's our boss. He's actually our boss. He's kind you know of. What I'm saying? But that's our partners. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a partnership. But he's kind of. But he's boss. kind of our boss. We respect it. Listen to me. I don't mind working for another black man. I know that's. You right. know what I'm saying? Because a black man gonna work for me eventually. Because every all kin folks ain't just. Kin, I mean, excuse me. All skin folks ain't your kin folks. That's so, right. Know, that's another. So thing. listen, we're celebrating. It's our first episode. We got our we got our champagne. Uh-oh. We ain't, we ain't promoting who it is because they ain't give us no check yet. But we are gonna pop this. <laughs> Look, we're going to... Yeah, be careful okay. with people's eyes and, you know, Don't all of that. Look, look, we're going to get this together. You, Don't scrub. You scrub. can't even get it out. Woo! And look, we don't got no champagne glasses. We from the hood. We from the hood. We from the hood. That's we got little, little red cups that you probably... <laughs> you probably... These ain't even the real red cups. These is the, the coffee cups. Yeah, but we good that's with it. Right. You know what I'm saying? They we got to They, it, they drink, drink. don't That's they? all it is. It's about a drink, man. We're going to toast for our first episode. First episode. On the Black Effect Network. I Heart Radio. Radio. Charlamagne the God, thank you for having us. Thank you for we, the we opportunity. We plan to be in the Hall of Fame soon. So we're going to toast to that. Let's toast to Hall of Fame vibes. Hall of Fame vibes. Yeah. Street politicians. Let's go. Cheers. Cheers. And you know, you have to think about, or it has been your journey that I've kind of just been going along with. Because nobody because listens to Because you knew me. that podcasts were going to be really, really about important three, four to the years culture. Ago. And you yeah. said... We need to start something. We came up with the name Street Politicians. I think I came up with this name. You came up with Until Freedom. No, I came up with Street Politicians also. No, you didn't. No, you definitely didn't. came up with Street Politicians. You definitely Politicians. didn't. Listen, fact, I, I definitely. I think Jamila came up with no, Street Politicians. No, man. Street Politicians. She came up with the, the, the logo we had, but the name Jamila was me. Jamila T. Davis. 
No way. I came up with street politicians. Anyway, Definitely. I know I came up with it. But okay. he says he came up with it. I came up with it. Definitely. But anyway, street politicians was is a baby of my son's uh, where a few years back, you were like, yo, podcasts are going to be the thing. It's going to be how we get information to our communities. It's, it's a trend. Right. It's something that we need to jump on. And, you know, I don't really like cameras, as you know. It's not my thing. People see me on cameras all the time and probably think I'm super duper comfortable, but I'm not. Uh, I pretty much like to just be easy and not have all of the attention. But, you know, I, I didn't really necessarily see it at the time. But then as time has gone on and I listen to other really important podcasts, and it actually helps to inform a lot of our strategy and thought processes about what's going on in the movement. I was like, you know what? You're right. And there were a lot of people who believed in us that we need to give a lot of credit to. One is our producer, the executive producer. Executive. Put Kathleen, the executive. Kathleen Trigg. If you don't know her, you need to look her up. Yes. She is the founder of Catscape Productions, uh, also iWoman TV. She works with an incredible team that is led by the creative director, Janice Rodriguez. She's a legend. They they are legend. Legendary. She's a legend. Legendary, legendary status. Catrick. And they really did believe in street politicians and helped us to get started. That's when we took that. From day that one. Photo. Day that one, day they believed one. in us. And we had we used to just argue all the time. That was, we could yeah. get into a good argument. Oh, definitely get it. Because we don't agree. <laughs> right. So, in fact, our first promo was I don't agree. I don't agree with you. I don't agree. We said it so many times that they were able to capture it and put it in a promo. That is a fact. But I think we found. I think we're getting ground. better. We're finding common ground, you know, and we're growing in our, you know, into our voices, mm-hmm. into our platform. So you know, once again, let's toast again, toast again. All right, let's, street politicians, street politicians, episode one, episode one. That's how we own it. So it's so much going on in the world. Like, what are we talking about today? What's our topic today? There's a lot to talk about, but the first thing we're going to do is get rid of the, the hood remix situation you got going on here with the red cups. It's, it was what? cute. This is my... Nah, it was cute, but it can't stay. Sorry. Sorry. Can you take it? I was having a good time. I'm ratchet like Nobody that. says you can't just continue to have a good time, but we not... First cool. of all, you said... You it's a celebration, it. though, sir. It is a celebration, okay. but you all know, right. it'll be done in a different way at a different time. Okay. But then, and we have to have Charlemagne to come up here and celebrate. Definitely, he got to sh- celebrate with us. We got to interview him. Yeah, we got to pick his mind, out, the mind of life. a genius. What was his vision with the behind black the black? Effect you know what I'm saying? Like, we've been talking so much about blackity black, and you know, I think this year with the whole Black Lives Matter, everyone is interested in what's going on in black thought, and I think it was so genius of him to just capture this moment and create a yeah. network. That really speaks our voice and, and talks about our culture and has different representation of us in all facets and all areas. It does. So you have like Teslin, uh, Black, with, what is it, with No Chaser or Straight No Chaser. Straight. Straight No Chaser. And that's exactly who she is. Oh, ain't no question, my dad. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so many other voices on the network uh, that's given, like you said, different perspectives to... Uh, what it means to be blackity black black and all is splendor and all, all is different is splendor. aspects yep. but also everyone dealing with serious issues in their own way even mm-hmm. the comedic side of the network where you know you're going to hear different people i mean what's her name Jess hilarious she's hilarious but she does Hello. talk about important issues 
Um, and so I think it's just a place that black folks are going to finally find our voices again because we've lost so much of black media. Um, mm-hmm. We've lost so many opportunities to tell our own narratives, to share our own stories. And I think that the Black Effect Network gives us that ability again. I am super, super humble and honored to be a part of it. So, you know, ding, 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 ding. Now you, you said what's going on. So what's going on in the world? Man, There's a lot going on. Going we on had an election. We just You know what I'm saying? Of... We, and we got a whole new thing right now. I, we, we, we hope, listen. We hope it's We new. are hopeful. You know, we believe that different means something that's going to push us forward. That's that's our goal. Well, our producer, Catrick, who used to work with Joe Biden, believes that something different is going to happen. So we, listen. You believe that, Cat? Amen. Right. amen. She said, "Amen, amen." <laughs> that so was a know. black woman's amen. 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 It's, it's not that. like amen. Like it's amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> so you know, um, I hope it, it's a new day. I think it's a new day in terms of uh, getting rid of Donald Trump for yes. sure, because that just wasn't gonna work. Like, just, there's no way we were gonna uh, get him for the, the four years we had was such so atrocious to me. Yeah. You know, was. I'm just so I'm. I think. Just when you look at this election for me, right? I think I was so just disappointed in the amount of people who voted for him. You know, to notice that after the four years that he did for this country and the poor fashion in which he represented, like, I just think for me, there has to be some level of presidentialness, I would yeah, say. You know like what I'm saying? Some decorum, some class, some tact, you know, and he lacked. All of those things on so many different levels. And it's just like, it wasn't the representation that you... Like, he shouldn't even be the president of a junior high school class, let alone the free world. Yeah, he just wasn't... He just... He he bought the worst out of us as a nation. He did. um, I think the worst of us was on display. And he gave people who sort of live in that dark space an opportunity to come forward. It's not that racism didn't exist. Mm-hmm. We know racism exists. It always, it always will. But what he did was embolden people and gave them the opportunity to come out and say, hey, I'm here. Whereas before we had them where they had to be closeted racist. Now, I get that there are some who say, well, we would prefer to know who an individual is. Like we want to be able to see them and say, okay, I have identified that you're my enemy. And that makes sense, except that these individuals are actually killing people. They're actually in charge of, you know, human resources departments. They might be your dentist. They might be your child's teacher. And so they need to have to be closeted with their behavior. We should not allow it to just be full-fledged, just everybody go out and be as racist as we want to be. No. Racism should never feel comfortable. No. And I think for me, which I continuously say, is that it was more than racism for me. It was white supremacy. It, it, it was, was. It was, and it was implementation and emboldenedness, and and you know, and just pretty much normalizing white supremacy. Right. It wasn't right. just because racism exists. Like I don't believe that most people that come from different you know backgrounds there is either bias, and we call it bias in our communities because we don't have the power to impose racism to affect your bottom line. Mm-hmm. You know, so we know that because we've heard different things, we've had different experiences. I don't believe that 
Nine out of 10 70 year old white men don't have a level of racism. Even with Joe Biden, I believe there's racism. If you heard things he say, there's ignorance and racism that just comes from the upbringing that you have. You yeah. know, but there's also a willingness to try to identify and understand why it's racist, to listen and sit down with other people from different ethnicities and say, okay, I understand why. I didn't realize what I was saying was racist. I just was taught or something. But Donald Trump was living in that. He yeah, was, he was. He was he was doubling and tripling down on that. He was making people who normally didn't even feel comfortable saying, you know what, I'm going to talk as crazy as to you as possible. Karens were at an all-time high. Kens were at an all-time high. It just was at a this rate that... It was just and it too was much. That you know they had their four years. If you were one of those people that's like, I need to learn who the racists are around me. I want everybody to be exposed. They're exposed. They definitely have. You been learned. Exposed. Now you know. You've been able to identify them. It's time for us to get in a place where we could go back to fighting without having to also fight fascism and dictatorship because that's the thing that's uh, that's that's actually the larger framework. We've always been fighting the oppression of black and brown people. We've always been fighting institutions that have, you know, that white supremacy is 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 in, in, ingrained in the way in which they operate. That's something we've always been dealing with. And it's going to take us a while. Like it's now 400 plus years. Some people say 402 years or 401. Yeah, 401 years. And then there are other people that count other parts of our history when we were even captured in Africa um, and then the journey towards enslavement. And so they say that's about 465 years. So it depends on where you are in terms of your understanding as a historian. But the bottom line is that for more than 400 years, we've been dealing with these oppressive systems. And there's no one president, one organization, one movement, one era that will change that and turn back the entire clock and, and just spontaneously we live in this fair and equitable world. Sure. We know that's not really the case. We're going to have to fight. But we were fighting not just the institutional issues, but we were also fighting a fascist, someone who wanted to be a dictator and was really moving towards creating a government that would allow him to be a dictator by doing things like, well, first of all, controlling the Senate, right? Which we know every time something happened that we wanted our government, the local officials who are in the federal government to fight against or to stand against, they are unable to win because we're dealing with the Senate that backs up the white supremacy that's, that's right. happening uh, within, you know, within our government. Then beyond that, they were putting judges, over 300 judges in place in the federal courts across this country that are conservative judges who, you know, Lee Merritt, attorney Lee Merritt, who we have to have on one day as a, as a guest. Yeah. I called him just to check on him a few days ago. I hadn't talked to him in a while. And he answered the phone so frustrated, like, Tamika, you don't know what's going on in these courts with these conservative judges. Y'all don't get to see that because you're not in the courts. You're not fighting these cases. But as attorneys, we're up against a real serious problem in terms of going in these courts and seeing how the judges are ruling. 
So there's stuff that's going on Definitely. that people who were like, oh, I'm with Trump. I'm with Trump. They don't Biden know. ain't no different than Trump. <laughs> that's your guy. Biden ain't no different than Trump. <laughs> that's what they were saying. Yeah, I was and, and, and But those people who say that, they also don't understand the dynamics. how dangerous yes. this man was. And then we have to talk about the Supreme Court. Which pisses me off, but the Democrat strategy was basically, well, we just hope Ruth Bader Ginsburg lives until Trump is out of office. And that that did, is not that a strategy. It wasn't a successful strategy. It was not because she just and I'm and listen, shout out. She to held women. on though. This lady, she held on as long as she could. Listen, man. days. She's held on. She gave days. days. She gave them years of everything. She fell out in her office. She had cancer. She had all kinds of medical issues and she kept bouncing back. She wouldn't even sometimes stay out for weeks like after she was really ill. She kept coming back to work. And on her deathbed, when asked by her grandchildren, I believe, what her last wishes were, she said she'd like to see Donald Trump be removed from office before she passed away. And so that, that may not have happened exactly at the time that she passed away or when she passed, but certainly we were able to put the work in to give her the gift of life. That's right. In her passing. Amen. And you know, when we look at when we look at the post election and we just look at the tantrum That's that tantrum. Donald Trump has had by losing. You know, now in all it's been, you know, official that he's lost in these states and he's still unwilling to concede. Just, just, it's just, that just so shows to the character or yeah, lack thereof. Exactly. You know, it's it's just like, you lost. Bro. Bro, you lost, bro. <laughs> you got to do like uh, Wale and them when they always tweet back at him. They be like, girl, if you don't sit down. Like, so it's, it's just like, it's over. Like, Trump, you lost. You know, you went there. You lost, man. It was you gave a good fight. Well, you actually gave a good lose, fight. He lost by with the same electoral votes that, that he won that by. He won by. It's yeah. the same. Exact you ain't thing. you ain't want to go to the Supreme Court. To you ain't want you ain't want to talk about none of that. Yeah. Even with Russia involved, you you, right. know, you said that people was crazy. So it's like you every time you look at what he does, it shows you more and more. You know, we're dealing with a global pandemic in which. He refused to act on that people are dying because of we're dealing with, you know, health issues and financial issues in this country that he pretty much caused, you know, and, and to not be able to just concede as a man and say I lost as a man, you know, and then they had this march. You know, they had this, the, 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 the Million MAGA March. The Million MAGA March. That, you know, that. Which people got hurt. People definitely got hurt. I heard even people got stabbed. Yeah. You know. I mean, and they and they were so against the marches that uh, black and brown folks were holding all summer. They were, and not just black and brown folks, people, our allies, supporters, everyone who was down with the movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, held marches where some of it did turn violent, which by the way, I was watching Fox News the other day because you know I watch Fox News. It's a shameless thing, but I have to because we got to know what's going on. Um, and I was watching the other day and they were like, you know, talking about, well, they were saying basically we can have marches and there won't, there will not be people there to destroy people who are destructive, which we know that that's not true, but that's what they said. And I was like, yeah, you know why the destructive people are not there? Cause they were already at our march yeah. destroying 
you know, the, the destroying things to try to take the storyline away and from the Black Lives Matter exactly. issue and to turn it towards looting and violence. Like, we know what happens. We know that a lot of times the individuals who come out who are destructive during these marches are people who, one, are, you know, some of the, the, you know, the super wokes. We got the super wokes. Definitely got the super wokes. Those are our people. Well, I ain't gonna lie. They are people. They super work. They so mad that they they they're more upset than the families of those people who've actual whose lives have actually been taken. Those are the yeah. super woke. So we have to work on them all the time. And a lot of times it's they're white product. people. It's a lot of white people that we have to talk to and bring them in. White people, but w- they're I- but they are P-P. there for some of the right reasons. Then you have though those. Cointel pro folks, and that's an important. They are definitely present. I mean, they're and they're dangerous because they get people hurt, and again, their job is to destroy, to try to to shift the narrative. So you have all of that stuff going on, but nonetheless, there is a new administration that will be coming in in January. I hope that Donald Trump doesn't concede because I want to see them. You want to see somebody pull him out? I do. I'm not gonna lie. Yo, listen. (laughs) I I think for me, man, dragged out. I don't care how you get out. Walk, drag, push. He gone. He just got to go. You got to go. You got to go, man. Pack your bags. Shout out to Michael Rappaport. Pack your bags. Pack your shit and get out of here. <laughs> Michael out of Rappaport here. is hilarious. He said you lost. Pack your shit and get out of here. You man. Know? I love this. One of my favorite videos. Now, that brings me to my thought of the day. And you want to know what my thought of the day is? I would love to hear My you. thought of the day will generally be very thoughtful and serious okay but on today i have a different type of thought of the day what is that and that is how long do you give uh melania do you think she's gonna do over six months or under six months before she uh files for divorce and runs for the hills i think she already did i think they they have like a lot of videos (laughs) memes where they show u-haul trucks Already in front. No, also they showed the double. The person, you know, they found they found a person on a plane. And it's like literally confirmed. There was a person on the plane. It was supposed to be Melania with him. The woman standing there waving. And it wasn't her. Wow. Poor, poor Trump. Oh, you feel sorry for yeah. him? Because I don't. I mean, he got a wife. She just up and leave is over so she yeah, over but I mean you know what she's got to be able to go on with her life and to raise her child why? she could have left a little while ago yeah but you know what you don't and see and that's here listen show topics write it down what happens when the wife of a successful person or the wife of a president or some some you know leader right in whatever field feels oppressed but can't leave because it's not the status quo. And, you know, there's so, there some people who will say, man, she's just as bad as he is. We heard some of Melania's comments, the jacket that she wore. I think it says something like, I don't care or who cares or something like that. You know, we heard her in the leaked tapes that her friend put out there where she is uh, speaking terribly about the children separated at the border. She clearly doesn't like Christmas. And now, you know, we don't really celebrate Christmas, but you can't say you don't like Christmas because, you know, black folks don't like, if you don't yeah. like Christmas. If you don't like Christmas, then you don't like Christ because Christ is, Christmas is Christ, the birth of Christ. So you you can't, you, know, you can't not like Christmas. It's ignorant, but, but it is what it is. But it's, it's our thing. It's our Christmas thing. We got a thing. Christmas is a thing. For a lot of people, although, again, I don't celebrate Christmas. 
Um, you know, because I don't think that we should be spending our money. With yeah, this I've I've system. pretty much given it up. Yeah, it's just not. It's so not I try a good to buy idea. my kids gifts before Christmas. That's now. right. That's right. So you know. I don't know. I just feel like where we are now, hopefully we're going to turn over a new leaf, but all of it is going to happen based upon how much work we put in. Like we got to put in real work because we have an opportunity in this moment to make a real change. We have a real opportunity, man. You know, and we've seen how united and when we push on all cylinders, you know, and have different levels from celebrities, grassroots organizations, Mm -hmm you know, social media platforms, television platforms. And when we push one message, we've seen how we're able to push unity. and shift. And you talking unity. about unity? Is it's, that what you're talking That's what it's all about, man. About that's unity? all it's about is unity. We not do it uniformity. together. No, not uniform. I don't want uniformity. I don't want nobody looking, sound, and doing everything I do. I want you to do what you do for the same cause that I do it, and we do it together. And we do it That's together. That's what unity Different is. ways, but still. So speaking of that, the Georgia Senate, uh, the Senate seats that are up for grabs in Georgia. Yes. Listen, here's the reality. What's the reality? Even if you have a Joe Biden, Kamala Harris presidency. That's right. They can't get shit done if they don't control Congress. Right. The Congress. So, you know, that's another thing. We have to have experts come on this show to break down to people what is the Congress versus Congress and the Senate. Right. There is there is a difference. Right. right. And the Congress is the full body of those who vote on our issues. You need to have both branches of government, the Senate and the Congress to come together. Right. And make decisions that will support the Democratic president or whomever it is, whatever. Even if in, in this case, President Trump had Republican mm-hmm. control in the Senate. That's right. So there's a lot of things that um, the Democratic Congress did block. They did their best. They fought. Or not they didn't. Did, let, let, I take Don't that use back. The word block. Yeah. Well, just... I'm not, no, no, no. I'm not saying they blocked. Okay, I'm block, saying block I take back that they did their best because there's a whole lot of SHIT that Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, as far as I'm concerned, could have done better. Like, you know, if somebody had me laughing the other day, Linda Sarsour says, when they were fighting to block Amy Barrett from becoming a Supreme Court justice, uh, we were like, damn, they didn't even like pull an alarm in the yeah, building anything. or like set a fire or do something. something. You can't really set a fire, but you know what I'm saying. But yeah, cause some something. type of disruption. Do man. something to delay it. But we went to the Kavanaugh hearings that got arrested. We wanted people to know. Trying like, to extend something. it. But you know, with the COVID situation and not being able to have people inside of buildings protesting and all of that, it definitely has created some real challenges. But nonetheless, to go back to the original point, right? The Democrats were unable to get the things done that we needed to be done. And it's the same thing when President Obama was in office and we 
lost the midterm elections and allowed the Republicans to take control, they now have power over a particular branch of government that is responsible for how decisions are made. So it doesn't matter who's in the pres in the White House. It matters also down the ballot who we down have the in ballot. control down of the every ballot. single branch of our government. So there are two seats up for grabs in Georgia, two Senate seats, which would basically take all of this power out of Mitch McConnell's hands. Mitch McConnell has the the power of a king where he controls government and how things move. There are bills. uh, The George Floyd bill is on his desk right now that includes things like Breonna Taylor's law, which would be a ban on no-knock warrants. Mm -hmm. All of these things are in that bill, and he's not even looking at it. It's just on his desk, right? Um, Figuratively and literally. And so when you are able to take these two Senate seats in Georgia, it will put us in a position of power um, where we can now really demand that the uh, that that the Biden administration get some stuff done because they don't have the excuse that the Republicans wouldn't help us do it. That's right. So there's a runoff. Right. They first of all. Uh, John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, they were both in the election that just happened on November 3rd, but they came, they didn't come, uh, excuse me, they did not reach the threshold in terms of the percentage of votes that you need to be able to capture in order to claim victory. And so they have to go to a runoff with, I mean, it's like sports, right? You know about- It's a sudden death, you know, it's like overtime. It's like overtime. They got to go. Well, not really. It would be more like the playoffs when it comes down to the final two. Because I think Raphael Warnock was like number eight or nine on the ballot, especially because his last name is W. Um, And so because of the percentage that he came in, you know, he came to a certain level. There's another candidate who also came to that level. And the two of them are going to have to battle it out. So isn't that like the playoffs? Because you know I don't know nothing about sports. I mean, it's a playoff. I guess it's a playoff competition because, yeah, you got two different records. And one of them is like seven to eight spot. And y'all got to battle to continue to see one. So I guess, I guess. But the only difference is in the playoffs, you know, after you win, you got to battle somebody else. You know, so it's a little different. It's, I think well, it's the final. But you do playoff finals. He bat. Well, I mean, obviously the playoffs is longer, but he he won out of many that he was up against. Okay, so now okay, so it's like the final, the, finals, the playoffs for the, the finals. finals. Yeah, it's See, the finals. I told you you got to teach me, but we're gonna be talking. It's the finals. It's okay. the finals. It makes sense. All right, so let me just read the information for the Georgia Senate runoff date so that people understand that even if you're not registered to vote, you still have time. That's right. So you can, uh, first of all, begin requesting your absentee ballot right now. Right now. Right now. You can call or you go online. You can go to uh, vote.wokevote.us. That's vote.wokevote.us or Mm -hmm. iwillvote.com. And get information on where you can, how you can request an absentee ballot. So that's for Big Mama and them Big Mama. who are like, I can't go to the polls. I'm, 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 I'm immunocompromised uh, with the COVID crisis. We don't want to put people in harm's way. But you know, our suggestion. Gotta let them to know the work ain't folks, done. We got, we got, we need, we need this. Our suggestion to most folks 
is go to the polls if you can. Mm-hmm. Put your hazmat suit on, put your gloves on, do your thing, whatever you got to do. But like we seen the last election, though, they ain't making to them poll, but them, them absentee ballots. The absentee ballots now. They came like the Black Panther. But if you can, go to the polls, you should. If you can't, get your absentee ballot now. December 7th is the last day to register to vote. That is December the deadline 7th. for voter registration. And where does it start? It uh, already started. Voter registration happens every day. Even on December 8th, you can still register to vote. You just won't be able to vote vote in in the election. Exactly. December 14th begins early voting for most counties in Georgia. Now, there's going to be some, you know, some, some issues there. But December 14th is a good date to hold. And then January 5th is the last day is of that the, the, the election regular, day. It's the election that's day. That's the election day. Okay, that's the election day. January 5th, which is election day. So every day up until January 5th, you can vote. Well... Do, do early voting. Now, see, we're going to need you to go back over that again because that's what de- December 14th. You said December 14th is the first day of early voting. Right. So every day from December 14th until January 5th, you can early vote. So yes, technically... But the only little caveat to that that I'm not sure of, but I know from New York City, some days it's not open. Like on a Sunday, it might not be open. Okay. But basically- well, All the business days. Most, most, most days and Saturdays, okay. of course, it is open to early vote. And so okay. people should go to IWillVote.com or vote.wokevote.us vote.wokevote.us and you can get all the information that you need about where to go, how to register, what to do, everything you need to know. Okay, sounds like a plan. I got it now. Georgia. Georgia. So there's a lot happening. A lot happening. We've got guests today. We've got guests. We've got excellent guests that I can't wait to hear from, man. Congresswoman Yvette Clark, uh, who is our friend. Who has found the fountain of youth, ladies. She's found the fountain of youth. She has found it for real, man. Like this—that's one thing I just love about black people. Mm-hmm. Like we, like, when they say black don't crack, and you look at Congresswoman Yvette Clark, and you see her skin, it's flawless. She's got amazing. You skin. know, it's flawless, man. So, and and, she, and what she does for our communities, and how she's always ripped our communities, and it's always been a voice. You know, for our communities and someone that we look up to that we can call and get educated on certain issues. You know, it's it's just unmatched, man. I'm yeah. just she's amazing. I am happy to have her on the show. And too. then we have Tawana Nobles, Tawana um, Nobles, who's a young new queen. friend, a new friend. She is the president of the Tacoma, Washington Urban League, and is the newly elected state senator there in Tacoma. Uh, and so we're going to be talking to her. Let's give it up for black women. Oh, see? You see? That's a good like, thing. Listen, we, gotta, we have to celebrate it when it's supposed to be celebrated. That's right. We, that's we what talk. it's every day, every minute. Okay. But you know, that's you know. a whole different thing. Whole different And then episode. there's uh, Gary Chambers. Uh, one My of the brother. things that we're doing on Street Politicians is our political activist or our just activist organizer moment when we highlight activists in different cities. Um, who are doing the, the work that we know yes. is doing the work. That, yeah, we exactly. People we know are really doing the work because there's some kind of, there's some activists. There's that activists that, not, you know, we don't know. We have no idea where what they, they come do. From. No one in their community knows. Nobody's but, seen them before. They've just <laughs> been called activists. Yeah. But, um, but you didn't hear from me. Right. But 
you know, I thought that it was really important. And you were like, you know, I, you know, we went through many different iterations of what we think thought it should be. It was like, should we highlight cases and then bring the activists that's working on the case? But one of the things that I think we figured out is like, we don't know what they're working on because we don't know their local community Definitely. issues. So we just need to highlight the individuals who are doing the work so that they can get the donations that they need. Um, the so investments. That, you know, I hate the word donations. Yeah. Oh, please okay. invest. Investments. Invest in these people. We like investments. We love um, investments. So that they can get the type of attention, support, and respect that they deserve. And so I love the activist moment or the organizer moment, depends on where you are in life and what you want to call yourself um, or, you know, what type of work you do. And we should have a show on what's the difference between an activist and an organizer. Definitely. There is. There, oh, there's difference. an extreme difference because what you do is organize, right. you know, and I'm more of an activist. But we're, well, I'm, but an I'm, I'm growing and into an organizer. No, but yeah, I'm saying, but I, when I watch what you and Linda do, the way that you organize, the way that you strategize and say, okay, boom, 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 we're going to do this. We need to do this and this is how we got to go. And we need to call these people and we need to set it up here. That's more than just being somebody that says, I'm mad. I'm, I, I want to go out and I'm willing to put my body on the line and I have a voice. But the way that you, it's the strategy part. Yeah. Of the organizer. It's the strategy. It's the strategy for, for you. Huh? Sound like our friend Tiffy Pop. <laughs> That works it's with us. Strategy, it's the strategy for me. So, street politicians. Street politicians. We in the building. Let's go. Episode one. Woo. Before we go to the next segment and have our special guest join, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. 
You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So I don't think we can discuss it enough about how women have pretty much taken over politics to me. You know, when you look at it, especially in this day, you know, and I and I attribute that to what the work that you've done at the Women's March yeah. that a lot of people don't really want to give the credit for, but it was very monumental. And to see how many women have been elected lately and basically seeing how women have pretty much, especially Black women, have put these elections on their back. They've yeah. been carrying it. Really? We, talk, we come from, we talk about Yvette Clark. Yeah. You see that aspect of it. And then you continue to see in the Senate and just all around, Black women have been getting voted into different offices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a our first female vice president elect who is a Black woman, you know. so Is she Black? Because that's a whole, that's a whole different conversation for a different day that people are actually trying to debate whether or not Kamala Harris is a Black woman. Yeah. If she's not Black, I don't know what a Black woman looks Listen. like. And I happen to be a Black woman And she looks really, really, really close to the Black women that I know. I'm just trying to figure it out. Listen, I'm no longer even shocked at, you know, we had Obama. He wasn't Black. Right, he wasn't wasn't even American. He wasn't nothing. You know, every time we get something, it ain't what we thought it was. That's right. You know, so I've I've become accustomed to the conspiracy theories and always want to take away, well, she's not really Black because she come from the Jamaican and, and the West Indian, Indies, then the Indian, oh, that ain't man. all the way Black. Oh, it ain't man. the descendant of slaves, and this is always something, man. I want to celebrate and congratulate Kamala Harris on her victory being the first woman, and I say Black woman, right. to be a vice president. That's right. Um, That's a big, they, you know, I saw a meme somewhere that said, um, that if if it says put your shoes on because there's glass all over the floor and that means that the ceiling has been broken she got this close now whether or not she can actually be elected as president is going to be based upon what work she does because we already know that joe biden like baby she they had to pull joe biden across the finish line and he was i'm gonna tell you the truth brushed up and dusted together every day i'm gonna tell you the truth and I don't know who who need to hear this, but most of the people I know voted for Kamala Harris, and, that, and that's just a fact. Because I, I ain't gonna lie, I didn't vote for Joe Biden. But and can no you disrespect. imagine? No, it, well, but I didn't I vote for know. Joe Biden. I, don't, I, I mean, voted for Kamala. I'm not gonna say I have disrespect for the president elected yeah, United but, States, I'm, but I will say that I will say that I have some fundamental issues with Joe Biden still right now. We voted against Donald Trump yep. in, in, in most cases. And when I started trying to figure out what was the motivating factor, Kamala Harris, who has her own issues and her own reckoning that she has to do with the Black community, she was um, part of, of my decision. You know, I saw that Charlemagne posted on his page Congratulations to Vice President-elect Kamala Harris and Joe and a little bit of Joe Biden. <laughs> but that's how most that's why most people in the black community felt. No you know? fact. And, and they still they still got like you said, they still have the issues with her, but they said, look, 
I'd rather just make sure that this black woman gets in the office yeah. because that's something we can celebrate and we believe that whatever issues we had, that she's going to do the necessary work. You know, or we're going to we gonna, or we we gonna gonna push, push it. We're going to fight. We're going to do it. Exactly. And we feel like we have an opportunity. We feel like she's open to trying to make the reckoning and make I the atonement so. for whatever she's doing. I think so. Doing. I mean, I think I've heard from her a number of statements um, and, and also the ways in which she's able to speak to the intricacies of our issues and our movement, it, it, it makes me think that she understands what this moment calls for. You know, the other thing, and we'll, we'll have to talk about this at another time, but Kamala Harris came up in a different moment within our society. Even when you think about Joe Biden and, and, the, and the crime bill and all those things which were wrong and they definitely should not be pushed on the back burner. But we, it was a different time. Kamala Harris, as someone who was trying to rise through the ranks of a male-dominated, white male-dominated system, she operated in a way that, again, should be challenged. But people have to understand that the world has changed. We, has, we have forced a new light and a new movement in, in our society that yeah. you can't go back to business as usual yeah. in that way. If you want to be uh, elected to office, if you want to be uh, considered by us to be an ally. So I think it's just so much more to be discussed as it relates to uh, uh, Senator Harris, now Vice President-elect Harris, and what the administration is going to do. But I do want to acknowledge and appreciate you stating that the Women's March uh, had so much to do with Definitely. where we see ourselves now in terms of women in general really taking over across this country. I think that women, and, and Coretta Scott King once said that if this nation is going to be better, women must become the soul of the nation. And I, and I don't think that that means that men shouldn't be at the table because I think we can't do anything without men and women and, our, and, and the beloved community coming together. But there's been too many closed doors where three men sat in the room and made decisions on behalf of the entire community. And so I am so glad that we're joined by a woman who just won an election, yes, um, yes. a state Senate seat in a place that it's like, <laughs> are there black people in Tacoma, Washington, <laughs> uh, Tawana Nobles, who is also the president of the Tacoma Urban League. And let me just say, as you come, you know, and talk with us to, today, uh, Tawana, we have had the pleasure of meeting a number of badass sisters who are president of er, presidents of urban league chapters across this country. One being Sadiq Reynolds, who is the president of the Louisville, Kentucky chapter. She is incredible. Our dear sister, who is yes, a fighter. Is. Then you have Arva Rice our sister from New York, um, who's the president of the New York Urban League. I mean, you all are some bad sisters. And the fact that you can go from being president of the Urban League to now becoming a state senator is a testament to what Black women and Black people are doing around the country. So okay. congratulations and welcome to Street Politicians. Congrats. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. And I do want to thank you all for all of your time and sacrifice and just being leading fight for justice in our communities across the nation. So thanks for having me. So tell us what what's the, what's the, the what was the campaign platform that we can now hold you to? What were some of the things that you want that you promised you would work on that got you elected? 
Absolutely. Definitely, because I currently also serve as a school board director here in University Place, continuing to prioritize education. I'm a, a, a mom and a wife. I have four kids, three of them who are remote learning. And so I understand the challenges of our families who are crisis schooling, who don't have the resources they need from broadband to technology. And so hold me accountable for making sure that I'm working as hard as I can to provide an equitable education. And I hope to champion bills that will allow broadband to be a public utility. So it's not a matter of luxury, but a matter of necessity since we need broadband access to the internet to live, to learn, and to work. Um, and also making sure that we're helping our small businesses and community members to get through this pandemic, getting people back to work. We start um, a lockdown um, today through December 14th in Washington State because of the rise in COVID cases. Um, so we have to help our, our businesses that are closing their doors, laying off workers. We have to help the Black community. Um, who we know will, will struggle more and be impacted disproportionately to get through this pandemic. So we'll work with our, our partners and community members to be successful in that area, um, but also to be just a champion for our, our working families. And that is around healthcare, housing, education, employment. We need to have a voice for our working families and recognizing it's hard for all of us out here. And we need people like me who, who know what it's like to struggle, know what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck, mm -hmm. to be a part of these key decisions that are being made in our state. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, thank you very much for that. And you know, we want to, once again, I want to congratulate you. And I just want to say, just understanding the reality we, we're in, we just want to know, we'll let you know that we know that you're a beautiful black woman, smart, intelligent, but we're going to push you. We're going <laughs> to fight you just like we do everybody else, because that's what we do. You know, we're going to make sure we're going to hold you accountable. But understanding, that, do you see a real end to this pandemic? Like, I've had conversations with people, and and every time we look, is it seems like it's growing. What I don't, like, can we get back to a level of normalcy? Like, is, is um remote learning going to be the new thing? Like, I have two children that I'm teaching from remote learning. I have a, a six and a nine-year-old. And it's very difficult. Like I'm not, I don't have the skill set to be a teacher. Like I'm sitting there and they're on this computer. And the next thing you know, they, they got a Roblox on one show and then YouTube is on. And then I hear the teacher like pay attention. And, and one is on one side of the room and other. It's a very difficult, we're dealing with so many difficult times, the trauma that these kids that we are dealing with, mm. you know, like you said, small businesses, people not at work. It's so much going on. Like, do what do what do you give some advice? Like you, you, you know, you ran on this campaign of doing things during the pandemic, like helping small businesses and schooling. Could you like give some advice to me as a parent trying mm. to just navigate through this situation? Yeah, my best advice is we, we are going to have to hang in here and we're going to have to cling to each other and to solutions as best as possible. Are we going to go back to normal? I don't think so. We're going to move forward and everything is going to look different. School and learning is going to look different. Our community is going to look different. Many businesses are not going to survive this next wave of a shutdown. You know, mm. maybe they got PPP or some other type of small business funding, but they will not survive after this next shutdown when they have to close their doors. So everything will look different. The trauma we are experiencing right now and the, the greater need for access to mental health resources changes everything for everyone. So we will not go back to normal, but I know that we will survive this. Even when I think of my kids and the skills that they are having to learn, college level skills to independently teach themselves more than ever before, be responsible for homework and studying, 
it will make them better human beings, but it's a traumatic transition because we weren't prepared for it. I'm not sure how to transition them and help them to, to build those muscles, but we'll do it and we'll keep being resilient and we'll keep taking a step back. My number one goal for my family and I advise this for everyone is to, to keep our families whole, to keep our communities whole. So if that means we're not getting to homework today, we're not gonna get to homework today because mm. I wanna keep my family intact. I wanna keep my family healthy. And now that we're locked back down in our homes and not able to you know, to move through the, the phases like we were, this is the number one thing that I wanna make sure sustains after this, my family and then my community. So some things we're gonna have to let go, but I think everything moving forward will be different. I want to say one thing oh, real God, quick. I see your son in the background. I'm, I'm assuming that's your son. And he's yeah. back there doing his homeschool and, his, and he's paying yeah, attention. Right. And, and, and it just shows where we are right now. Right. You, you are a state senator and you're on here doing a conversation and doing an interview. And you still have to be a mother at the <laughs> same exact right. time homeschooling your child. Like You're right. Things are going to change. And I think we're going to learn different skills. You know, but it's going to be difficult. It's a, it's a difficult transition, man. I just want to say thank you for the work. And, and like, once again, we're going to hold you accountable <laughs> to make sure that you do what you said you was going to do. The transition may be difficult, but I think there is something to be said about parents learning more about what their children are learning, being able to hear what teachers are saying, um, you know, and to, and to really be able to see some of their children that don't listen in action so they can help the teacher because the teacher's been dealing with the child that won't stay still and now you get an opportunity to see it and you actually have to deal with it because sometimes we don't treat teachers nicely um I'm, I'm i'm grateful again for you coming on and talking with us today i know that your journey is just beginning and, and we have to give the biggest shout out to the national president of the urban league mark moriel who i know is supportive of you and all the women um, who are leading within Urban League, but you're starting out on your journey as a state senator. You look confident. You look like you're ready for the job. Mm -hmm. Yes, we're going to push you, but we also want you to use this as a platform to come back and let us know what's going on sure. and, 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 and also to tell us how we can support you. You should let us know that right now, what we can do to support you. And we're going to have you back. So as your journey is developing and you're beginning to learn more about the position, we can hear and learn with you because we... Not enough of our people are educated on the process. They don't understand what's happening inside the walls of the state house. And, they, and that information needs to be translated to the ground. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I think the number one thing that I ask folks to help me with is to stay engaged. And you said this at our gala, that we can't just be presidential election organizers, right? That's right. So I'm telling folks, thank you for getting me elected. That was just part of this journey. And we have to keep organizing on the ground. And we have to keep, now that we get to testify in front of our state legislature virtually, that should provide a lot more access. But mm. one of my goals is to provide access to this position, to our state legislature, to our community. So it doesn't seem like that's something that happens in Olympia in our state capital, but it's something that happens in our community. And I wanna really engage people to you know, take stock, to use their voice um, and to, to be active. But I know part of my job is to be that educator, um, to expose community, to invite them in, to go out and find folks you know, and not rely on just lobbyists and people who know how to navigate the, the system right. and the process, That's right. but to bring in community who has no clue and doesn't know they can just call their state senator. 
So I'm excited for this journey, excited to stay in touch with you all as I learn and grow because I'm at step one of like, wait, how does a bill become a login? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, undergrad- we need you to learn this stuff real quick. quick. It's not a lot of time. Thank you so much, Tawana. We appreciate you. Tawana Nobles, who is the newly elected state senator in Tacoma, Washington. We see you soon. We appreciate you. Thank you very much. And tell your son we say hi. We see him over here <laughs> working hard. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Before we move on and have our special guest join, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So, the election. Been a rough road. Oh man, it's been rough, but you know, it took a joint effort by so many different organizations, so many different grassroots, so many just this individuals who were really invested in seeing this country go in a different direction. And ultimately, you know, we pulled it out. Yeah. Well, yeah. first of all, I was on a nonpartisan tour. I have to keep saying that. I, I mean, mean, we did listen. not tell anyone on the road who they should vote for. We just knew we needed something different. That's right. And we encouraged people to make sure that they showed up and they showed out. I remember I was thinking that uh, somewhere, I think we were in Michigan where when we went to the polls on election day, no one was there. And I was really concerned. I was like, why are people not voting? 
Um, but they had already been to the polls. And we see that early voting and also mail-in ballots that folks really did do what they were supposed to do. They did the damn thing. And they showed up and showed out. And, you know, but I mean, we do have to talk about, which, you know, we'll talk about it later in the show, that 70 plus million people voted for Donald Trump. So we still have an issue. Yeah, we, we have a real issue in this country. It's so divided, you know, and it's strange to me. I think every time I think about those numbers and I think about how his he actually got more votes this time, mm. you know, and I think how do we look at the condition of this country and be okay with voting for somebody like that? And you have to think about the mindset. You got to think about, you know, just how the media plays a part. Right. Just got, we realize just watching social media, I realize how lives have become facts. Yeah. How people have really like, he says fake news, but he's, he's the, the master of fake news. Absolutely. He just throws out the most, you know, asinine, asinine statements. Yeah. And then people say, this is facts. You know, he's, he's um pushed conspiracy theories, all the weirdest things in the world. And, you know, and people have gravitated to it. So yeah, but you agree with his conspiracy theories around coronavirus sometimes, but anyway, we can we talk about say, that. At well, listen, time, yeah, that could definitely be a whole nother conversation. Yeah, I, because listen, I'm just trying to say, man. I've heard you say, well, I kind of, you know, on that. Uh. Because at the end of the day, you know, when you do start doing math, because when you look at the news, right, there's a lot of stuff happening that you don't physically see in your own life. And that's just what's for me. Not saying it's not happening. We understand Corona is very serious. And I'm not saying it's not. There are people who have died from I know a person who died from coronavirus. But when I look at the overall, the numbers, and I compare certain things, certain things just don't add up. Not saying that it's not serious, but, you know, we just got to, I just need a little more information. Well, a person that knows a lot about the pandemic, uh, coronavirus, and has been working with Black folks, particularly in Brooklyn, uh, in our state, um, to help try to, you know, get our people to be safe, to get our people uh, to be more educated on the virus. And, and, you know, as she and I were having a conversation recently, and she was talking about the educational component of this, and that is something that you and I agree on how bad it is for our children to have to live through this pandemic, the depression, the fact that parents and families don't always know exactly how to advocate, you know, for uh, their young people in a situation where there's, you know, virtual learning. Um, and so I, I am really grateful to have, first of all, my sister on the battlefield. This is a friend, a sister of our She's going to be a regular at Street Politicians because we need yes. somebody that knows what's going on in the world. Right. Um, she's a congressional member, uh, a Congresswoman Yvette Clark of the 9th District in Brooklyn. Yes. My sister Yvette, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Miss Queen. <laughs> thank you so much, my sister Tamika Mallory and Tamisan. Congratulations on this outstanding platform and program that will educate and uplift our people as we navigate through these very difficult, troubling and, and, and crisis-laden times. Uh, I'm excited about the opportunity for our people to stand up with courage and conviction and press forward as the soldiers that we are mm -hmm. to make sure that our families are safe, our children are educated, and that we come through this pandemic more unified and focused on all of the issues that we in this generation must confront 
and must address and must be victorious around mm. for future mm-hmm. generations to come. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's good to, to, to hear your voice because when I see you, I know that in our Congress, there are stabilizing factors. There are people there um, who know what's needed on behalf of our communities and folks who are fighting for us. You've been fighting for us. And congratulations to you on winning uh, your recent election. You just had uh, an election and pulled right. it out as you always do. The people of Brooklyn and Ninth District, they stand with you and so do we. Um, and it, but, but it is a real scary time especially right now, while we're still in this weeks later, days and days after the election, it's very clear what the results are. And still we have a man in the White House who's saying he will not concede, who is trying to, uh, again, bring up these conspiracy theories as a way to uh, confuse people and to hold on to power. And I, I, I don't necessarily feel comfortable with what is happening in this moment, not to to mention that we have heard from the media that if there is not a proper transition between a president-elect's administration and a current uh, administration, that there are some national security issues there and international security issues. Can you talk about what's happening now? And and well, first of all, just tell us what's happening, and then we can talk about what what should the people be doing. Absolutely. Well, first of all. We should not be shocked nor surprised Mm. because Donald Trump is being Donald Trump in this Mm. moment. His behavior has always been infantile. He has always been focused only on himself and how he can, uh, you know, essentially uh, work the system into his benefit. And so we need to be focused right now. And, you know, I, I, I reject the spirit of scary and fear. Mm. Because we have got to be uh, courageous in this moment. And we need to double down on the courage that we have shown throughout the tenure of this gentleman, uh, I'm I'm being kind there, of Mm -hmm. Donald Trump in the office. Because we have been under siege and under attack since he came down the golden escalator. Mm. So we should maintain our posture of uh, belligerence indignation Mm -hmm. and courage Mm -hmm. during this period. Yes, it is a challenging period for our nation because anything can go sideways at any point in time. We are living in a sideways moment. We're in the midst of a raging, rampaging pandemic right now. And so that is the overall context in which we're trying to liberate ourselves. Part of that liberation is being focused on being and staying well in this Mm, moment. mm -hmm. Because without our health, everything else that we have been battling over and battling for really uh, comes to naught. Because if we're not passing on the knowledge, uh, if we're not passing on the strategy and the tactics of how we got over to the next generation, they will be doomed to repeat what we have been fighting for right now. And so to me, Uh, And and to many of my colleagues in Washington, D.C., we can't take our eye off the ball in making sure that we navigate our people through this pandemic, that we embolden them to continue the discipline of wearing masks, of staying socially distant, 
of washing their hands, not touching their, not touching their face, because all of the science indicate that the spread of this virus has not been contained. As a matter of fact, it has been allowed under Donald Trump to, to, to spread with reckless abandon. And it is such a deceitful virus in that you can be asymptomatic and, and continue to spread this virus before you're even uh, showing any signs of, of, of actually having contracted it or never showing any signs yet carrying a viral load that can be passed on to others. So we've got work to do in that space. Donald Trump, yes, he's a menace. Yes, he's a dangerous menace, but his days are numbered. And so we need to stay focused on our agenda for health, well-being, economic, social justice, and navigating our people through this crisis to the other side where all of our issues, I believe, will be addressed and must be addressed by the incoming Biden-Harris administration. So can I, I want to, first of all, I want to say thank you for being here. And that's, that statement was so, so real and, and what we needed to hear. And I also want to say we need to know the fountain of youth that you found, because I'm trying to go there. <laughs> But, it's um, in the I, DNA, my brother. It's in the DNA. It's in the DNA. That's right. That's right. Amen. But I want to ask two questions. Basically, what you just said, I think for me, that you heard me and Tamika having a conversation about the coronavirus and my skepticism. Not saying that I don't. I definitely believe. I, I actually have a friend who passed away from it. I have had people who have got really sick from it. And for me, I think the I think what it is for a lot of us is the way that it's being portrayed in the media. I think when all we see is the amount of people who have it, we see death tolls, and we're not hearing about how we eat healthier, about the things that we need to do with our, our personal bodies to make sure that we don't assure, and all we hear is wear a mask or don't do these things. We understand that most people are not gonna do that. Like, unfortunately, we live in a world that most people, unless they are directly affected by something, will not see the reality of it. And that's what I deal with every day. I was having conversations like in the Bronx, just the regular hood in the Bronx. They don't feel like they're affected by it. It's nobody outside with masks. It's thousands of people in the park. They haven't they're going along with their day. They don't feel the, the things they don't feel the, you know, the effects of it. So I think why aren't people saying, okay, we understand that our certain demographic are not paying attention to this. So why are we focusing on how do we tell them to eat healthier? Why are we tell them focus on exercise? Why doesn't the news show that aspect of it? Mm -hmm. And then also I want to ask you, and this is a two-part question. Then I want to ask you about Donald Trump. And we say that we understand he's Donald Trump. Does it bother you? Do you question that the fact that this election, he actually got more votes. Does it, what, what do you think about, what do you think that is saying about America right now? Okay, so let me start with the, the health piece because I think this is critical. You know, we, we can't speak to our people in a monolith. Mm -hmm. Different folk take in information differently. And until it hits home, um, for some folk, as my father would say, it say, if you can't listen, then you must feel, mm -hmm. right? Until some folk begin failing this, unfortunately, you know, they're going to doubt the science. Let me say this unequivocally. 
yes, we have to deal with the fact that our immune systems are compromised, particularly in communities of color, where we know we have been denied access to quality foods, to food deserts. We have been subjected to food deserts. Our eating habits have attributed, uh, contributed uh, tremendously to the pre-existing conditions we have like diabetes, hypertension, uh, you know, uh, we, we can go down the roll call asthma. We can go down the roll call of all of sort of those pre-existing conditions that are predominating the health of our people. This is what COVID loves. COVID loves those individuals who have uh, compromised immune system. Mm -hmm. Right. And at the, at the end of the day, yeah, there will be uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who will recover from COVID-19. Once we raise this cloud of suspicion that uh, Donald Trump has fomented through his denial, and I believe his intentional allowing this to happen, we will see that having been exposed to this virus and recovered from it, is not the end of the virus for us mm. because many of our bodies are now dealing with the fact that we had this invasive virus in them and we now become more susceptible to other illnesses as a result of the damage that the virus has done in our bodies. It's a cardiovascular, primarily vascular disease in that this virus will attack any part of our body that has uh, been that that is connected to our bloodstream, mm. so liver damage, lung damage, heart damage, all brain. We've heard of brain damage. We've heard of long haulers, individuals who have recovered from COVID nineteen but continue to to suffer with the symptoms as though they are still infected. We've heard about people who've been infected more than once or twice, and these are not anecdotes, these are all uh, uh, verified, uh, medically verified. And so our folks need to ask themselves, uh, if they're questioning what's going on, right? What if I'm wrong in my assumption? What if right. I'm wrong That's about right. the fact that uh, what I'm being told is the truth or not? What does it take for us to say, you know what, just in case, let me adhere to these public health protocols, because if I'm if if I'm right and I do this, I will be saving the lives of those around me and maybe my own life. Mm -hmm. I think that we got to step out of this space of being about me. me. And that's what the movement is about. Right. That's right. That's and say right. Us and say mm -hmm. us and we. And the only way that we get through this is if we put aside our cynicism, put aside our confusion and, and, and stand united. And in, 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 in for those who don't believe in this experiment, if you will, and for those who do believe saving lives and making sure that we are not in that number who are spreading infection and spreading death in many communities on the issue of Donald Trump. You know, I understand uh, the inclination 
to, 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 to call this man's name in every conversation because he has wreaked such havoc mm. in our lives. Mm. However, as I stated, his days are numbered. And yes, what he's doing right now is no different than what he's been doing from day one. He is, again, in his, he's in his feelings. He's never cared about the American people. He's continuing to try to find ways to divide us and to uh, keep hold of those 70 million people mm-hmm. and, 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 and keep them caught up in his cult of personality. You know, these are the folks who, uh, you know, and, and again, I don't generalize, who one, uh, 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 as, they, as, as my colleague Hakeem Jeffries says, uh, you know, everyone who follows Donald Trump may not be a racist, but we right. know that every racist follows mm-hmm. Donald Trump. That's right. So there's that significant part of the population that see him as a utility for the maintenance of their philosophy of white supremacy. Then yeah. there are others who I will never forget during uh, the, the 2016 uh, campaign season, Donald Trump said something I found, uh, first of all, it insulted me, but I understood how what a master manipulator this man was when he stood up in front of the crowd and said, I love the poorly educated. Mm, wow. You know, and, and when someone says something like that, he knows he can manipulate, manipulate a people. segment of the population yeah. into hanging off his every word. So Congresswoman, have- I don't want to cut you off, but I don't want to get in trouble with your staff for not letting you go at the time that we need you uh, to get to. I know you have a, somewhere else that you need to be. And they were so gracious to give us time on your calendar today. So I don't want to get in trouble because we need to have you back. I just want to say that, um, you know, the accountability piece that you touched on earlier is going to be so important. How we continue to work together to ensure that this administration does the real work. We can't have a celebration line dancing on the lawn um, with uh, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, who knows how to line dance better than anybody I know except my mama uh, and your mother. Um, uh, And we we don't want to have celebration for four years. We need to be serious about getting some work done. And I know you're going to do that because you always do. And so I'm looking forward to us working together hand in hand, making sure that the streets and the inside of Congress, that we're together uh, in organizing and coordinating on behalf of our people and our rights. Well, Sister Tamika Mallory, it is so important that we recognize the moment that we're in and the new way of life that we are establishing for this generation and generations to come. The movement that has been established is a multi-generational movement. And that movement doesn't end with electoral politics. It doesn't end uh, or begin with the fact that we were successful in in, in saving our country and shifting uh, the narrative Now's when the work starts. That's right. This is when we continue to build the movement. This is when we continue on the demands that the activists in the streets have been, uh, you know, out there day in, day out, uh, confronting 
the, the, the status quo and, and, and the power dynamics. That has to continue. Exactly. That must continue. And I would say that another piece of this is the economic piece of mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I want to encourage your listeners to do right now is make sure they keep the pressure on around the Senate passing the HEROES Act. Mm -hmm. That they Mm -hmm. involve themselves in whatever way they can in supporting the people and helping to elect those senators in Georgia so that we can have the type of legislative construct that gives us the progress we need. We can't sit back now and line dance and say, okay, job done it. And like, you know, clap our hands and think that it's going to be okay. This is when we need people to step up in this space, all of us to step up in this space and keep the pressure on and keep it going and build more reinforcements and get more young people engaged and make sure that the knowledge and understanding that the strategy and, and, and development tools that you and others have, have, have worked on all of your lives are passed on to the next generation. So again, we are not crossing these bridges over and over and over again, but the victory is certain because the knowledge, That's the right. knowledge of our power That's is right. resident in each and every body. And the fight is still on. In the yes. words of, of Una Clark, your mama, keep the pressure on. Amen. So thank you for uh, being with us. We love you thank so much. You and we'll so see much. you again real soon. We appreciate it. And congratulations you. once again, y'all. Thank you thank for your yes. selflessness, your activism, and literally putting your bodies on the line for our people. I'm yeah. grateful. And I know the people of the Ninth District are too. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you, thank Congresswoman. You. Take care. If you proud, we know we're doing something right. <laughs> thank you. So, yes, man, that was a beautiful interview. It's always good to hear from someone like Congresswoman Clark, who is always on the front lines. Yeah. Always, she's always on our issues. You know, she's always on our issues. She's someone that we can reach out to. And I'm, I'm making sure that she's a regular on our show. Yeah, because she has a lot of insight. I mean, the Congresswoman has been... Uh, in Congress, I'm not exactly sure how long, but it's been a long time ever since I have really been politically engaged, not just as an activist, but like really paying attention to politics. She's been in office and she comes from a family, a long line of individuals who are real leaders. Her mother, Una Clark, is also a like a, a stalwart in the community um, and has brokered many, many, many political deals, helped people to get elected. Mm-hmm. Um, um, she, you know, has had the congresswoman has had a few challengers over time, and every time they come up short because the people of the ninth district in Brooklyn they trust her, they believe in her, you know, and she's always, as you said, when we call her. I remember when we were uh, outside at. MDC at the, the Brooklyn Detention Center, the they didn't have lights, yeah. they didn't have hot water, uh, you know, the inmates were calling out and banging on the walls trying to get food, it was actually like the coldest winter, or the coldest, coldest period of, of the, the winter, winter yeah. right, 
um, and it was like ice cold and they had no heat inside the jail. And I remember when we called her, she showed up and brought a, a bunch of other congressional members with her That's because right. they had the right to go in and inspect what was happening inside the jail. And she did that. And she always uh, comes through for us. And so, you know, just glad to have her with us today. Definitely, man. That's that just shows the importance of our vote and voting down ballot. Yeah. We get people like Congresswoman Clark exactly. in office, people that we can call that can directly, you know, impact immediately what we need done. So, right. you know, people with this don't vote thing, I don't, I don't know where they get that from. Yeah, no. I mean, I think a lot more people are beginning to understand the local election piece. Um, and speaking of local elections, we're being joined by another guest who ran uh, for a local seat in Louisiana uh, recently. Um, even though he was not victorious in this in, in securing the seat, he still was able to transform politics in a large way in Baton Rouge and also to bring attention from many younger people to the political process. And so the next time he runs, he's definitely going to win. You know, we all have to get our feet wet, yep. put your toes in the water. Right, Gary That's Chambers, right. you put your toes in the water. And now you um, are just a, a regular face, voice, and leader in Louisiana, in the entire state. I can't say just Baton Rouge because people all over the state of Louisiana know you and now all over the country because That's of right. so many of your other very viral moments when you've been speaking truth to power. So I'm happy to welcome my friend, uh, Gary Chambers, who, uh, again, is a voice of this generation. Yes, sir. How you doing today, Gary? I'm good. Thank y'all for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for being here, man. Like she said, you you started out in Baton Rouge, but you're becoming like a national favorite. I, you know, I've posted a lot of your videos, man, yeah. and it, it motivates us. You know, when you're doing this work and you see other people with that same passion, you know, it feels good. So we want to thank you for being on our show and thank you for the work that you do. Man, thank y'all. Every time that you guys help elevate the voices of people, uh, from these communities, it helps these stories, you know, because the platforms, all of us are growing into these platforms, right? And and it's always been a challenge to try to get the conversation to the next level. And so I just thank y'all for being willing to do that. Yeah. And, you know, a part of Street Politicians uh, today, we are, this is our first episode that is in partnership with iHeart on the Black Effect Podcast Network which is Charlemagne's uh, network. And we're so excited about the launch, uh, the relaunch, if you will, of our podcast in this large way where we have uh, you know, more of an opportunity to touch more people. It started out with us just being on Instagram uh, and then some folks got involved and helped us to really develop a show. Um, and one of the things that we have said is that we want to make sure that at every single episode, there is a local voice, someone from uh, around this country that is dealing with an issue locally, dealing with many issues locally. And the one that we wanted to talk about today that many over this past weekend have been paying very close attention to is Kawan Bobby Charles, uh, 15 years old, found near a field, I believe. Um, and, and I mean, his body, his face dismembered. Uh, he looked like he may have been burned in some way. I don't know all of the details, but I know that when I saw this 15 year old boy uh, in that body bag, looking the way that he looked, my heart was broken. It is broken. 
but I also can't unsee what I saw. So now I know something happened and we have an op- we have an obligation, such as with Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and every other case that we deal with to find out what happened to Bobby um, and to give him the same attention. So I'm so glad that you are there on the case. Why don't you tell us the story of Kawan Bobby Charles and what we need to know? So Kawan Bobby Charles went missing uh, on October the 30th. Uh, What we know is he was picked up by uh, a white woman and her son uh, from near his home. He was taken about 25 miles away from home to another, a neighboring parish. We don't have counties in Louisiana, we have parishes. Um, And so he was taken to a neighboring parish uh, and he was never seen by his family alive again. Uh, He turned up in a sugarcane field on November the 3rd uh, when Iberia Parish Sheriff's deputies finally went out to search for him. His mother uh, called authorities on Friday, October the 30th to let them know that her son was missing. Um, They attempted to try to get an Amber Alert. Uh, No Amber Alert was sent at that time. And he goes through the weekend. We don't know what what took place during that weekend. And those are the unanswered questions, right? We don't know. Uh, specifically, uh, did he die on October the 30th? Did he die uh, on October the 31st? How long was he in this field? We don't have those answers today uh, as a as a community, as a state, right? And more importantly, his family does not have those answers. Um, and I think that what 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 we're looking at is trying to find out how did he end up in that field? Why is this family being allowed to uh, be transient at this moment and move around the state of Louisiana, mm. right? When we don't know what what role they played in the death of this 15-year-old Black child. Mm. Mm. So when I, just hearing it is, is disheartening. You know, I, I just, I feel for the family. But um, do, do we know about an autopsy? Was there autopsy done? And, and if so, was the, what is the status of it? So the autopsy done by the parish said that Kawan drowned. Um, Mm -hmm. and that the injuries to his body were after his death. The independent autopsy is going to come out, I believe, today or tomorrow. The family has done Mm -hmm. an independent autopsy on his body, and so we're waiting for those results to come out from attorney Ron Haley. Now, I heard that the water near where uh, the field where Quan was found, or Bobby was found, because his family, I'm told, uh, calls him oh, Bobby. So we want to make sure we honor him and them in that way. Um, that the field, the water wasn't that high. It wasn't the kind of water that you would be completely submerged into if you fell in a pond. We're talking about a sugarcane field and something that, a, that is equal to maybe a small ditch uh, mm. is, is what they're saying that he was found in or near. And this um, ditch is near the family's house that he was. It, correct. Everything is is within proximity to the family who initially picked this brother up um, on October the 30th. So, you know, he was not far from them where he was found. Uh, we know for a fact that he was with them uh, when he left his family. We just don't know what happened between the time that these people took him away without the consent of his parents. That, that, that must be said, without the consent of his mother or his father, took him away, and then the next time his parents see him, he is deceased. So, and he, okay, and so the family is not supposed to leave town, right? That's what we've been 
That's what I think we heard. And so is the rule that they can't leave Louisiana? Because it seems to me that they've been moving around. I mean, yeah, that's what, that's what we, we heard that they've been moving around, um, that they've actually relocated. They, they, they have. So they, they lived in a trailer in the area. Uh, they moved out of the trailer and they moved to an, uh, an area uh, somewhere else in the state. We're not sure uh, specifically if the sheriff, what, what I don't understand is if, if I break the law, you know, they're not going to give me the opportunity to be moving all around the state, right? right? They're not going to give me the opportunity uh, to be transient after a potential murder, right? Or while a murder investigation is going on. And so, you know, we don't know to what degree the sheriff's department is uh, taking this extremely serious. And without this national attention, we're not sure if we're going to get these kind of answers because let's be honest, this is rural Louisiana. They get mm. to fly under the radar without the uh, microscope of public accountability. And so it, it's important that we continue to shine that light because we don't know where these people are going to go or if they're going to move again. And hopefully authorities know where they are at this moment. So for, for me, I mean, it, at most, I mean, at least we know that they, he was kidnapped. He was, this, this is abduction. If he was taken without the consent of his family by someone else and they admit that, that that's a that's a charge legally anyway. So what what is the sheriff's department saying? What are the police saying? They're gonna say he willingly went with this this family because it seems like he was friends. He knew them and he was friends with one of the other kids, right? The the kid and he went to school with each other okay. is what I is what I understand. And and I gotta say the name Jamal Taylor, Eugene Collins. They are the activists that have kind of been on the ground in the ball when right. area working this. Um, and and what, what they've come to understand is that they had a friendship. Um, and so these were people that he knew. We just don't know what happened once he was gone. And so um, it, it, it's you can't tell me that you find a little black baby in the field like that. And if he was white or if he if it was a different uh, name that we would not have these people detained until they get the answers. That's right. right. And, and it's exactly what you said, my son, right? If, if, if I am found to have taken someone else's child without their permission, you would detain me on that until you exactly. can prove what I did on the, on, on the murder. Or, or until they can of, prove that they didn't do something. Right, you know, there, there would have to be some level of evidence either way. A man, a, a young boy lost his life. The last person he was seen with or known to be with is this adult person who picked him up in their car. Nobody knows anything after that. And, and there is no type of accountability. And this is really crazy to me. Except the other, the, another mother or another person who says she's a mother, who called um, uh, Kawan's mother, Bobby's mother, to tell her that there was bleach in the car yes. after you know for sure that Bobby had been in the car, right? And she's saying the car had been bleached that there was drugs. I mean, this lady seemed to be very confident in the recording that we heard um, that you posted. Yeah. And also I have to give a shout out to Warriors in the Garden uh, in New York City, an, an organization that has been organizing here. I mean, people have been organizing around the country around Bobby's death, murder, however we are going to find out at some point um, uh, that 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 this, this thing happened to him. Um, and so- it seems like some people know what's going on, but but the, but the idea that time and time again, families are not given the respect 
of receiving the same information that officers often know, that law enforcement has been involved. They understand the details very well because everybody else is talking about it, except the law enforcement agency speaking to the family. The family knows nothing. We have to we have to make sure that we put a quotation on black families. It's not just black family. families. Black families are not given the courtesy and the respect and the legal obligation that comes with the law to be notified of exactly what's the going details, on. The details, yeah. So you were saying, and I know uh, your time is short and, uh, today, and uh, again, we want to thank you for joining Street Politicians, but I, I know that you are also working on other cases, other working with other families. It hurts me, it pains me that we can't just talk about Bobby and solve this problem by itself we have other issues that's happening all over the nation, but you just told us that right there in Baton Rouge, there is another situation that you are now working on. Tell us a little bit about that. Kobe Beauchamp. Kobe Beauchamp is a brother who, um, we don't know the exact day that he was, he was shot and killed, but on November the 1st, there was a shootout in a white neighborhood. He was shot at, he runs uh, from the scene. His family calls and tells authorities that you know, they can't find him. For 13 days, nobody searches for him. Eugene mm -hmm. Collins, the president of the NAACP here, goes on social media after being reached out to by the family. They're going to do a search, which was supposed to take place on yesterday, Sunday. Um, and once they go public and say that they're going to do a search for this brother, the sheriff's department goes out and searches for him. And mm -hmm. they find him. And he's been oh. dead for 13 days. And so mm -hmm. now we're trying to find out why didn't you go investigate to find out where he was? Is it because he's black? Is it because you want to keep it under wraps that he was shot and killed in a white neighborhood? We don't know. And how old is he? Is, how old is he? 18. Wow. Our young black men. Oh, man. 18. Mm, mm, mm. And, and what, what, what it is, is a total disregard for our humanity as people. That's right. For, for, for us as, as human beings, deceased, uh, laying in fields, whether we're talking about Bobby Charles, where we don't know how long he laid in that field there, or whether we're talking about Kobe Brochamp here in Baton Rouge, what we know is law enforcement is just taking a position that, oh, it can wait. Mm -hmm. And so how long does evidence uh, get tampered with? Absolutely. How much does it take for all of these things? And so it's just, if, if these were white people in this state that were dying like this, or that these incidents they said they were missing, they would go after them with the full power of the government. And we know it because and we, we have know seen it. it. That's right. We know it to be true. Gary, thank you so much. Thank you for being with us. We want to make sure that you uh, you know, know Street Politicians is available to you at any time that you need to come on to talk about the issues that's happening um, there in Louisiana. We really, really respect your grind and see what you're doing on definitely, the ground. Definitely. And soon and very soon, our organization, Until Freedom, will be on the ground with you in Louisiana to help uplift the local, local voices um, and the local work that's happening there around not just these two situations, but any other uh, matter that you feel we should be paying attention to. That's right. Continue to do so the much. work, man. We appreciate you and respect you, man. And like like she said, we'll be here for you. Whatever you need from us, we just a call away. And let us know when we need to start raising money for your next election. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. Let's start now. Keep pushing, y'all. All right. right. Thank gang. you, Gary Peace. Chambers. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. 
They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So, and then, you know, Gary... I'm being funny about raising money for him, but this guy really should be in elected office. Like, oh, those are the type of people we're trying to send to everywhere. To because state he houses. does the work when nobody's looking. Right. You know? Yeah, he what, lives it. The way I found him online, just reading. Reading. Like, he, he was, what? He, he walked into a building. He made the lady walk out. Remember yeah, that? Yeah. She walked out. He was reading her so crazy. That was in like some type of council meeting. It was meeting a council meeting. He, he just walked in and she them. he broke her down so much that she just got up from the table and just left. Yeah. You know, and, and, and he and the thing is he's so deeply embedded in his community that he knows the names of these each individuals individual. who sit on these councils and other things that control aspects of the community. Uh, he knows them by name. So when he was speaking in this video to the young lady or to the woman, whoever she was, I don't remember, she felt bad because yeah. she knows Gary because he's calling them by first name. Yeah, it was it was a different type, you know. So shout out again to Gary Chambers, man, and the work he's doing. And please support him. Yeah. Invest in his work. Follow man. Gary Chambers. Follow Gary. We, we you know, we've been good grassroots and we've had nothing and had to figure out how we're gonna do the work. And survive, you know, and people, for some reason, they think that when you're activist or organizer that, you know, you're supposed to starve. Mm-hmm. We do not subscribe to that. We <laughs> believe that when you're doing God's work and you really are here putting your life 
and, and this is you investing in the people and trying to make things better that you should at least be able to support your family and be able to eat. Yeah. You know, so absolutely. please look look into supporting Gary Chambers. Yeah. And that brings me to our final segment of the show, mm. which happens to be my Which segment. happens to be your it segment. It just happens to be my segment. Yes, it is. And it's so. called, I Don't Get It. <laughs> <laughs> and as you know why it's called, I, I Don't Get It. I can't believe you start. You really were like, no, I need a segment that's called, called I, I don't, don't Get It. Because it's so much shit that I just don't get. Mm. Oh, that's, that that's, that's, that's a bar. I so much shit that I just don't get. And today's episode, since we talk about the election. I really don't get how people still voted for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. How more people like I think I think because when I when I when I looked at the numbers of people that voted for Donald Trump, I was really in dismay. <laughs> you know, and when I went on my page and I was saying we had to get rid of Donald Trump and the amount of people, which 90% of them probably bots and trolls, but there are 10% of those people that were actual people. Yeah. That were all, it was people that I actually knew that was trying to explain to me how it made sense for somebody to vote for Donald Trump. And either I'm on Mars, right? Or it's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. You know, I just don't understand how people that come from our communities, that come from our walk of life, our, our walk of life, and understand what it is that we go through and who have watched this man, who have heard and seen what he's promoting, what he's emboldened, who have watched how he's com completely divided this nation. Not just the United States. He's divided the nation in general, the world. Like, the world is split. When he lost, there were leaders from all over the world congratulating. They were saying, welcome back, mm. America. You understand what I'm saying? So when, when I see that, 70,000 plus, 70 million plus people voted for Donald Trump, which increased in so many different areas. It was just like, wow, we have so far to go, man. You know, and I really just don't get it. And I, and I just want people to search their souls, you know, even the people that wanted to endorse Donald Trump. And, and then it was, and it was about, you know, taxes, you know, tax breaks. There were grown people that I once respected that told me, well, you know, I'm going to vote for Trump because I don't want nobody to take my money. And you mean to tell me that the money was worth you selling out the people? The money that you would get from some tax breaks or some PPE loan or whatever you got oh, was worth. Stimulus checks. Stimulus checks was worth really jeopardizing the lives of our people. You know, this man has empowered and emboldened straight racists, man. And people were, they're setting up for like a race war. We look, we see how this world is divided. And if you voted for that, I want you to search, don't, it's not about me. I want you to ask yourself, what what was on your mind? Ask yourself, what, would, what did you value? You know, did you think about the country? Did you think about those who don't have what you have? Did you think about the kids getting snatched at the border? You know, I, I, did you really think about those things or did they even matter? You know, so for me, you know, it's a little more serious, man. So I, I really don't get that yeah. at all. Well, I won't belabor the point because I think you said it properly. Children separated at the border. Um, you know, the racist 
not undertones. They were overtones. overtones. Woo. Um, you know, the things that he said, the way in which he operated. I'm just glad to see him go. I'd love to get to a place where we don't even, as Please Congresswoman Clark said, um, where we don't even need to bring him up anymore, where the world has just changed. Um, and I know there's a lot of work that we have to do. And I think street politicians is going to be an organizing space as well as a place to break down critical thoughts about a lot of issues, because I think everything happening in our community, whether it be how the chicken spot operates to who owns the bodega to obviously gun violence that's happening in our community, sayings that things that mama used to say, you know, all of those things mean something to our culture, the way we operate. And so we don't have to just talk about politics. We can also talk about the politics of the streets because the streets has its own politics. I, you know, the other day I was having a conversation with my hairstylist and we were talking about growing up in the projects and how the projects is super political, like super, super duper political and all that you learn, everything from the way in which buildings operate, the, you know, the top of the hill versus the bottom of the hill. Um, you know, who runs the the little community rooms inside of each building, the community center, if you're lucky enough to have it, the benches, who's outside at what times of day, you know, the drugs, the drug uh, 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 industry that happens. It's definitely industry. It's so many things going on in the projects. And the one thing that we sort of ended on, first of all, we said you had to be there. You wouldn't know if you, if you weren't there. And I have a, a book called State of Emergency that's um, coming out really, yes, really soon. really soon. Really, really soon. soon. And, you know, the book delves into that because it's difficult to understand our struggle if you don't understand the places that we've been confined and where we learned everything that we know, the politics of how we operate, because that controls the way that we operate in a larger political system. That's right. So it's so much to be talked about on street politicians and I'm glad to be doing it with you, my yes, brother. Yes, yes, and yes. And um, let's make history. Let's make history, man. And we appreciate y'all for this first episode. Tuning in, we're going to be the voice of the culture. We're going to be your voice. We want you to give us your ideas. We want to take your critiques. Yeah. We want to tell you this shit is whack, it's dope, whatever. We want to hear it, you yeah. know, because the reality of the situation is we're nothing without you. So I'm not going to always be right. Tamika's not going to always be wrong. She'll be wrong most of the time. But we will both always be authentic. Yeah. Peace. That's how we own it. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare live nation presents concert week now through may 14th get 25 dollars tickets to over 5,000 shows that's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids, Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. 
Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.